Hello and welcome back. This is Dr. Christopher Gennari. This is a great big history podcast. Today we do Confucius in this episode. And in our next episode, we'll do uh, ancient China dynasties and politics. So, in this episode, Confucius. Confucius is a philosopher, teacher, around 500 B.C. Which is the same time Buddha is walking the earth. And Confucius is a teacher in a warring states period. And that tells you something about him already. He's not a happy camper. Why? Well, he's a teacher in a warring states period. So that means China is at war with itself. China has broken up into warring states. Those warring states are fighting each other, which means there's not a lot of call for a teacher. Schools are used by the armies because schools are big places that can handle large numbers of people, which means they have rooms that could store large amounts of supplies or weapons or anything. Kids don't go to school. Or if they're older, they go off to war. And so there's not a lot of call for being a teacher in a war in states period. And so he dislikes the violence and destruction that's going on. And he asks himself, why? Why are Chinese people fighting each other? Fighting themselves. And he's going to write about ethics and social responsibility. Those are going to be the topics. How does one behave and what does one owe to the larger society? And what he comes up with is this. Something very profound is that your position is equal to your responsibilities plus your obligations. Now, what does that mean? Well, the best way I know how to do it is to do it with stick figures. So let's do it with stick figures. Let's start with you. Little all you. Happy you. This is you in the universe. Except it's not you in the universe. Because no one exists in the universe alone. Just by existing, you have connections. You have a mother and a father. And just by having a mother and a father, you have responsibilities and obligations. What responsibilities do you have to your, to your parents? Obey. Obedience. To do what they say. When they say go to bed, you go to bed. 
when you say when they say eat your vegetables, you eat your vegetables. When they say don't do drugs, you don't do drugs. You're supposed to listen and follow the advice of your parents. That's your obligation. Do your parents have obligations to you? Yes. Mostly involved in helping you grow up to become an adult. Put a roof over your head, clothes on your back, food in your belly. Give you emotional support, love, kindness, advice. To provide, to protect. The idea is that they have obligations to you. They brought you in this world. They got to take care of you. And so if someone is a bad mother or a bad father, what do we say? What do we mean when we say that? Or a bad child. Ah, oh, he's a bad son. He's a bad child. You, you are a bad son. What does it mean? It means you are not upholding your obligations, your responsibilities. When Maury asks the the father, the 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 man who has has denied his paternity so far, if it turns out you are the father, will you be a good father? That good father has like brackets and parentheses all around it of what that means. And this guy always says, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, maybe he means it. But I'd argue, no, he doesn't. He doesn't mean it. He's not going to do it. He might not even know what that in parentheses is. And the reason I'd say no is because he hasn't done it so far. He hasn't accepted his responsibilities or his obligations. He's looked for loopholes, shortcuts, ways to get out. And so we have parents and we have children. And what we have is uh, responsibilities and obligations between both of them. Now, most of us don't go through the universe by ourselves and just our parents. We have brothers. We have sisters. And do older brothers and older sisters have responsibilities to younger brothers and younger sisters? Yeah. Mostly it's the same as the parent. Mostly it's the parent goes out and says, older, make sure your younger brother or sister doesn't die. Feed them. Do something. I'll be back in an hour or whatever. And does the younger sibling have responsibilities? Yeah, obey. How many of you have ever used your younger brother or sister as a slave? Hey, Billy. Go get me a Coke, you say, while you're sitting there playing. 
your video games. And what do you expect? You expect Billy to go, okay, and walk into the kitchen and open up the fridge and get a Coke and and come back. And you're like mad because it took like two minutes. Like, where are you? Bring me my Coke. And so the the idea is, in exchange for that, you take care of them. Nobody beats up my brother but me. And so we have these ties, these obligations, and these responsibilities dependent on who you are at a particular time. A father, a mother, a son, a brother, a sister, all have different responsibilities because they are different positions and they have different obligations. But an older brother is also the eldest son. And so the responsibility of the eldest son between the parents and the son is different. And the responsibility then from the eldest son to the younger sibling is different. And then what happens? Well, 95% of you will grow up, get into your 20s. <gasps> Spring will come and thoughts will turn to marriage. That's all this stuff to marriage. Thank you very much. Socially responsible in this class. Your thoughts turn to marriage. And so you get married. Do your responsibilities to your wife, to your to your spouse? Yes. To take care of, to love, to honor. You, you there's actually a place in um, American society, in American weddings, we actually have a place, a space where we say what our responsibilities will be. And we say it publicly in front of a lot of people and say, yeah, everybody, everybody, hold on. I'm about to promise stuff to this person. Listen. And then that person, your spouse, your future spouse, anyway, your momentarily future spouse, says their responsibilities to you. We call it the vows, but it's a statement of responsibility. It's a statement, I am the husband, I am the wife, and this is what I promise you. This is what I will do. And the other person says it to you, and it's done publicly so everyone could go, yep, remember when you said those words? Mm-hmm. So you have responsibilities to your wife, to your husband. Now, here's the thing. Does your wife or husband come alone? No, they bring a truckload of people with them. They bring a mom. They bring a dad. They bring a brother. They bring a sister. Do I have obligations to my mother-in-law? Yes. I most certainly do. Do I have responsibilities to my father-in-law? 
Yes, I most certainly do. And if you're like, no, no, I just have to show up on Thanksgiving. You got another thing coming. Because what's going to happen to you at sooner or later is at 3 a.m. in a rainstorm, your wife is going to get a call. And it's going to be her mom. And she's going to, oh, oh, daughter, oh, the roof is leaking. I don't know what to do. Can you come and help? And if you think while your parents' house, while your parents-in-law's house is going to be flooded, you're going to be able to roll back over and go back to sleep, you're living in a fantasy land. What's going to happen is you're going to be find yourself at 3.30 in the morning in your bathrobe with a hammer and a flashlight on a roof hammering stuff and going, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but I'm going to hammer hammer stuff, trying to fix stuff while your wife and your mother-in-law sit downstairs in the living room having tea and some crumb cake talking about how useless your wife's brother is. Because your mother-in-law knew you were going to show up. Why? Because you accept your social responsibilities. Whereas your brother-in-law doesn't. Your brother-in-law is good for nothing. And we all know that. And you will find yourself doing this. Why? Because as a son-in-law, you have responsibilities. This is why on some Friday, late Friday night, early Sunday morning, you're going to get a call at like 4 o'clock in the morning from your good-for-nothing brother-in-law who's in jail. It's like, yo, bro, because at that moment he'll call you bro. Yo, bro, uh, can you get me out? going to cost a grand can't go down to the ATM go get the money come pick me up now you know your brother-in-law is good for nothing you know your brother-in-law probably should spend a couple nights in jail it might help him you know That getting so drunk and then peeing on a police officer was a bad thing and should be punished. You know this. But if you think that call at 4.45 a.m. is going to happen and then you're going to be able to go back to sleep. You got another thing coming. You are living in la-la land. Because what's going to happen? You're going to get that call and your wife's going to be like, who's that? Who? Because nothing, no call at 4.45 is ever a good call. Nothing good. Remember this, ladies and gentlemen. Because it's been true since the beginning of time. Parents have been saying this ever since they started living together in communities. Nothing good happens after 3 a.m. Nothing good. You go off walking into the woods as a nomad at 3.15 a.m., You get eaten by a tiger. 
nothing good happens. You might say, oh, well, a lot of that is fun. Sure, I'll grant you the fun, but it's not good. It's not wholesome. It's nothing you could tell your grandmama about. Nobody meets the love of their life at last call. No bar flicks its lights, says, get out, and you turn to someone and say, you are the person I've been waiting my entire life to meet. Never. Doesn't happen. So, you know, she knows, your wife knows, that's a bad call. So what is it? Who is it? It's your brother. What did he do this time? (sighs) He peed on a cop. And, and he's in jail. And, and his bail is set for $1,000. And, and what? He deserves to be in jail. He peed on a cop. He he should, he should dry him out. Worry about him tomorrow. And then, you try to go to sleep. And what happens? Your significant other, the love of your life, turns to you and says, Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Who do you, you are going to leave my brother, my little brother, who I took care of when our parents just left us all alone by ourselves. You're going to leave him all there in this place with mean people who might hurt him. Who do you think you are? What man did I marry? And boom, you're like, just put on your fuzzy slippers because you're going to Wawa to get a grand out of the ATM and you'll find yourself at 533 going 100, 200, 300 while your brother-in-law goes, hey, thanks, bro. Love you, bro. Pay you back. Promise. You know, 500, 600, thanks. 700. My little brother. And so, if you think you're getting out of this, there is no absolute chance. Why? Because you have responsibilities to your spouse, to your wife, to your husband. And they have responsibilities to their brothers and sisters. And thus, thus you are tied to that. And so spring comes again and thoughts turn to... Babies. And so we have babies. And everybody has babies. Oh, by the way, before we have babies, because before we have babies, other people get married. Your good-for-nothing brother-in-law is going to get married. Your sister-in-law is going to get married. Your sister is going to get married. Your brother is going to get married. Do you have responsibilities to them, to your brother-in-law, to your sister-in-law? Do you have responsibilities to your sisters? Do you have responsibilities to your wife's? Sister's wife. Your wife, sister's wife? Yes. Yes, you do. You most certainly do. And if you think you don't, here's your situation. You're sitting there. You're watching the, the Eagles game. You've got some wings. You got some root beer. Got some nachos. 
and a good dip from Costco. Life is good. And you get a call. Hey, hey, it's it's Angela, your wife's sister's wife. I've had my car is broken down. I'm three blocks away from you. Can you can you come and pick me up? It's raining. I'm waiting for triple A. If you say, I'm sorry, I do not approve of your lifestyle and hang up. What do you think is going to happen in five minutes? In five minutes, you're getting a call from your wife. Who are you? This is not the man I married. Go help that girl. And you say, honey, we've had this discussion. I do not approve of their lifestyle. And hang up on your wife. What do you think is going to happen in five minutes? In five minutes, you're getting a call from mama. Your mama. This is not the boy I raised. No son of mine would ever let this helpless girl leave her alone on the highway by herself. Who do you think? You go and get that woman. You go and protect her. You, you're my son. And you're going to say, okay, mama. Okay. And you're going to go and do it. So it doesn't, I don't care what you think what you approve of, it doesn't matter. You have obligations. What your beliefs are don't matter. It's what your responsibilities are, what your obligations are. And when your wife's sister's wife calls you up and needs help, you say yes because of this web of responsibility. And so everyone now has babies. Do I have responsibilities to my child? Yes. The same responsibilities my parents had to me. Take care of, nurture, raise. Does that child have responsibilities to me? Yes. The same I had to my parents. Obey. Do grandparents have responsibilities to the grandson or granddaughter? Yes. Same responsibilities. Take care of, nurture, raise. Also, you can add in parentheses, spoil, buy lots of presents for, treat way better than their own kids. Because you will have this moment, if you haven't had it already, if you don't have kids yet, you will have this moment where you will have your child and your parent will come in and do something and you will look at disbelief at your parent. Be like, who does this person think they are? This is not my father. This is not my mother. This is not. This just comes in and starts handing out money to grandchildren. Oh, grandchildren, here's dollars. Here's $5. Here, here, let's have candy. Do you know how hard it was for you to get candy? All you had was Brussels sprouts and green beans. And now they're coming out with Reese's peanut butter cups and be like, hey, grandpa. And, and the kids are like, grandpa's great. Grandpa's great. And you're sitting there going, this is not my father. This is not the, who, who is this person? This is not right. And do uncles and aunts have responsibilities to kid, to the grandkids, to their nieces or nephews? Yes. 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 They do. 
I can smack my nephew or my niece. Why? Because you're like, oh my God, no, you can't. That's abuse. You can't do that. Oh yeah? I'll give you a situation. I'm standing there in the kitchen with my three-year-old nephew. See where this is going? With the flame on. On the stove. And my three-year-old, I'm standing there. My three-year-old off you goes and he's going to put his hand right into that high-pitched flame. Which, what am I supposed to do? Do I smack his hand and be like, stop, don't do that? Or do I now have a Socratic debate with him? You know, you may not want to do that. That would be hot. Perhaps you would like to do a better course of action. No, the three-year-old is going to put his hand into the fire, burn his hand, scream. My brother is going to come running in and goes, what happened? Well, he put his hand in the fire. And my brother is going to look at me and go, what did you do to stop that? And I'm going to say, well, I asked my three-year-old nephew whether he thought that was a good idea or not. And he's going to be like, are you insane? You smack his hand and get it away. Who? What are you? You stood there and did nothing. I'm like, no, I used the Socratic method to ask questions. And they, no. So it's not abuse. It's saving him from hurt. And I have the responsibility to save him from hurt because I am the uncle. And I have responsibilities to my brother and thus I have responsibilities to my nephew. And every adult does. Now, can I just walk around smacking people? No, of course not. Smacking some kid, being like, don't do, don't take chocolate. Smack. No. It's in a very particular situation. But you do. You can. For those of you who have aunties who have ever given you a whooping, you know what I'm talking about. And they'll tell you that. They're like, if your mother was around, she'd approve of me giving you a whooping. She'd whoop you herself. But since she's not here, I'm going to do it. And you have grandmamas who give you whoopings. And they say the same thing. If your mama was around, she'd give you the whooping. But she wants me to give you the whooping because she knows. Ah, it's my job to keep you safe. And you're like, why is everyone whooping me? And it's because they love you. That's why. That whooping is out of love because they have responsibilities to you and obligations to their daughter, to their sister, to their, to your mom, to your parent, to your mama. And so we have this web of responsibilities. Now you, at some point, if you haven't done this already, you will find yourself in a weird position where you were simultaneously... Look at our web. You are simultaneously someone's child, which has those responsibilities. You have to obey. They have to take care. They have to protect. But you are also someone's parent, 
which is different. You don't obey your children. You protect them. You tell them. And they obey you. And so you will be in the weird position where you will be trying to tell your child what to do. And your parent will be telling you what to do. And it's weird. But that's what Confucius is bringing. That's what Confucius is talking about. Because you will have to do what your parent says. And then you will expect your child to do what you say. And so every position brings this. I am a teacher. You are the student. Why are you a crappy student? Because you don't do what I ask you to do. You don't read the book. You don't prep your test. You don't show up for class. You can't stop looking at your cell phone. That makes you a crappy student. You're not, you're not living up to your obligations. What makes me a crappy professor? I don't come in prepared. I don't show up for for meetings or office hours. I don't have good lectures that you can understand. I talk above you. I treat you like an idiot and acknowledge that you'll never get this and believe that and so treat you as uh, incapable. That makes me a crappy professor. Because I am not living up to my responsibilities of being a professor. And so notice, to be a good professor, what I do is use stick figures for one of the world's complicated philosophies. We use stick figures to figure it out, to try to explain it. Now, is Confucianism much more complicated than this? Yeah, but this is the basics. This is how it works. This is its functioning. And so, it's a start. And if you pay attention, you write it down, you ask questions. Uh, Professor, I'm not really sure about the relationship between you and your deadbeat brother-in-law can you explain that i say no no it's not me it's in general you will all have deadbeat brothers-in-laws and you ask those questions so that you understand more instead of just texting showing up 45 minutes late being absent six out of every seven uh classes like you have responsibilities to me you have responsibilities to people around. You have responsibilities to work. They pay you. And you, in exchange, do what they tell you to do. You're the worker. You're the employee. They are the employer. And that brings a relationship of different positions. And any of you who have ever been an employee who then got raised to management, you became the manager... And now have to tell people who you used to be equal to what to do. You could see how hard that becomes. Because the people may not accept the change in your position. And thus the change in obligations. And thus the change in responsibilities.
And so why does this matter? What is the effect of this? One, the beauty of this, of this system, is that it doesn't add anything. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't create anything. Remember when we did Plato and we had to invent the ether? We had to invent a place where knowledge would be located. Confucianism says, no, 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 no. You're already doing this. You're already listening to your parents. You're already listening to your mother-in-law. You may not like doing it, but you do it because you're already doing it. What he's doing is saying we are all connected. So how are we connected? Well, you take an individual and connect it to another individual. You connect families. You connect families, you create tribes. You connect tribes, you create cities. You create cities, you create provinces. You connect cities, you you create provinces. You You connect provinces, you get China. Does the emperor owe me responsibilities? Yes. Yes. Protection. Protection from nature. Protection from nomads. Protection from criminals. Protection. And do I owe, do I have obligations to the emperor? Even though he is so far ahead of me in a whole different place, the answer is yes. Pay my taxes, follow the law, and when he calls, show up in the army. That's Mulan. The emperor calls for help against the Huns. It's really the Mongols, but in the movie it's the Huns. And the father is like, oh, I'm old. This is going to be hard. I'm probably going to die. And Mulan's like, my father's going to die. I will go in my father's place. And she goes. There's never a decision of like not going of not showing up or being like, well, screw this. Somebody else can do the work. No. It is, we are a citizen of China. The emperor has called us for help. We show up. And if my father can't show up, I will show up. There's never a debate about not going. Mulan is totally going. And that reflects this Confucian idea of connections. Between everybody, all the way up to society. And that's what Confucius is trying to do. Because his idea of war, his idea of the violence and destruction, why are Chinese people killing each other? Because they do not feel connected. They do not think of each other as the same. They do not look at each other and say, you are a fellow Chinese person. Instead, it is, you are different. I can take your stuff. I can hurt your people. I can do something to you and not feel bad about it. And so what Confucius is trying to do is end violence by showing that people are connected. Why does Scotland vote, almost vote to leave the United Kingdom? Why does Quebec vote to try to leave Canada? Why is Catalan right now voting to... Uh, leave Spain? Why are the Kurds voting to get out of Iraq? Why are um, Russian-speaking peoples in the Crimea or in the eastern Ukraine fighting in order to not be part of the Ukraine anymore? Because they are, don't feel connected to the people around them. They say, we are different. We are separate. This is Brexit. Britain leaving the EU saying, we don't feel European anymore. We might be in Europe, but we don't really want to be part of your system anymore. 
And what Confucius is trying to do is show those that they do exist, that you are connected, whether you like it or not. Uh, this is expressed in Abraham Lincoln's first inaugural address, where he says, um, we shouldn't have a war. We shouldn't have a civil war. We are not enemies, but friends. We must not be enemies. Enemies fight each other, but friends have connections. Friends don't fight. Friends don't kill each other. Why do Americans in open carry states carry a weapon into Panera Bread on the streets, in their cars, because they do not feel connected to the people around them and they are afraid of the people around them or they want to scare the people around them, one or the other. And so they carry their pistols, they carry their rifles, they carry their AR-15, you know, semi-automatic machine guns. And they kill each other in large numbers. Why? Because ultimately, we don't feel connected to each other. That's what Confucius would say. That the person you pulled your gun on and committed violence against is someone you do not feel connected to. That you are afraid of. That you want to abuse one or the other. And so what Confucius is trying to do is end all violence by showing that everyone is connected. End all war. Now, is this a sexy philosophy? No. No, it's not. It's not sexy at all. In fact, that's one of the reasons why it will never be as successful as Buddhism, for example. The people who will become Confucian are people who are elites, people who are running the government, people who are who have a vested interest in social stability. But Buddhism is about happiness, about finding your own path, about about obtaining something. Whereas Confucian's Confucianism is about your responsibilities. Buddhism is about happiness. Confucianism is about responsibilities. And responsibilities aren't sexy. They're just not. They are what you have to do. I know it is way more fun to be texting and playing Minecraft on your phone than listening to me drone, out, drone on about Confucian philosophy. But that's what you have to do. And believe me, I have way more fun things to do than to be ignored by you. But I'm still here doing it. Why? Because that is my responsibility. It's not the funnest thing I will ever do all day, but it's what I have to do. And that is the beauty of Confucianism. But also it's liability. It doesn't add anything to the world. It doesn't make you have to believe in anything else. It's you're already doing it. You just have to recognize that this is already existing. The problem is, is that what already exists isn't a lot of fun. It's not aspirational. It's practical. 
and Buddhism is way more prior, more way more aspirational. It's way it's about happiness. So, in our next episode, we're going to show how um, different dynasties treated China, and we will deal with the um, we will deal with the creation of the emperor, the destruction of the Qin, the the coming of the best dynasty uh, in the ancient world, the Han, and then its own destruction in the famous um, Romance of the Three Kingdoms. Thank you. <laughs>